0: Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hugan, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Welcome back to the Gospel for Life. As always, I am one of your co-hosts, Josh Bells, from The Well Church. And with me is Jonathan Van Hugan from Dayspring Reform Church. I guess I don't need to do that anymore because the bumper music is back on. Yeah. Well, so they just got a double introduction. That's good. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, just a regular host today, guest host today, uh, Pastor Matt Massevich from Sovereign Grace Fellowship. I am happy to be here with you, brothers. You have a great church name. Thank you. We inherited it. <laughs> what does that if, – if, if I'm a listener and I'm like, Sovereign Grace, where'd they come up with that? How – I mean, what's the significance of sovereign grace? I'm not saying historically, but the term sovereign grace.
1: Well, the the term sovereign grace, I guess, would be a historical term. It's a theological shorthand for the doctrines of grace. So we believe, you know, a lot of people ask me, well, what is what is a Reformed Baptist church? What 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 is that? And I say, well, we hold to the five solos of the Reformation. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to God's glory alone, so, so says scripture alone that would kind of be a explanation of what the mm-hmm. name Sovereign Grace means. God saves, yeah.
2: salvation is of the Lord. Yeah, amen, I love Sovereign Grace. And the well comes from John four, right? Yeah,
0: you gotta worship in spirit and truth, yeah. And day spring comes from Jesus, who is the day spring.
2: He is the day spring, he's the one promised uh, in uh, Luke 178, I believe it is, uh, where we're a reference to the sunrise from on high. And uh, the old translations spoke of him as the day spring, so it was a name for God.
0: Yeah. All right, so we are continuing our series on the gospel and sex. Uh, We've talked about how, in the beginning, God created us male and female. He's the one who created sex. This isn't an invention of Satan. God created pleasure because he is a God of pleasure, the Father loving the Son, the Spirit loving uh, the Father and the Son. And um, then we, we've talked a couple of days about how the fall has affected sex. And um, m- maybe just a couple of things to our listeners right now, like wh- wherever you're at, you know, where are you right now with your sexuality? Have you, have you sought to bring your sexuality under the lordship of Christ? Do you seek to worship God in your sex life? Uh, David Pallison wrote this book called Making All Things New, and it's basically helping both sexual victims and those who are caught in um, sexual sin. And he painted two kind of pictures of of how our sex life um, can exist. And the first picture he painted was this luscious, beautiful garden that bore fruit and gave life to those who partook of it, and it was protected by a lattice. And mm-hmm. so be- wild beasts couldn't trample in the garden, right? And then he painted a a different picture of this gross, greasy, oily rag that was in a trash can, and you'd only want to pick it up with your finger and your thumb. And those two illustrations represent where people are at with their sexuality. So just to our listener, like, where are you at with your sexuality? Is your sexuality a, 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 a luscious garden under the Lordship of Christ, or is it a greasy, oily, stinky rag? I know we ended on on hope yesterday but maybe just we can start with hope. Let's say someone is in that second category.
2: Well, I th- I think that uh, a good thing would be to mention, you know, resources like that. There's there's one uh, particular resource that I've found helpful over the years. It, it's a book by a man by the name of Harry Schomburg, and the title of it is Undefiled: Redemption from Sexual Sin. Restoration for broken relationships. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, one of the things is that sin does break relationships. It does, regardless of what our relationships are, but particularly um, the sexual sins break that relationship that's supposed to be between a man and his wife. And Harry Schomburg uh, has written really well on the subject because we want to recover from the defilement that has touched upon us. So that. That's a a good book for someone that's struggling with uh, pornography, I would suggest a book by a man by the name of Heath Lambert called Finally Free, Fighting for Purity with the Power of of Grace. Fighting for Purity with the Power of Grace, Finally Free, or or one by a man by the name of Tim Challies, A Guide for Guys, Sexual Detox for those who are sick of porn, yeah, sexual detox.
0: I got a couple more books, Making All Things New by David Pallison. I just quoted him and then a little booklet called Pornography, Slaying the Dragon by David Pallison. And the great thing about this book is it's actually an interview between David Pallison and one of the people that he counseled on sexual addiction. So it's a dialogue. And it's really helpful.
2: Well, thinking along those lines, uh, there's an, a new book out by Ray Ortland, and it's called "The Death of Porn." And really, what it is is just six letters that were written on the subject of pornography. To, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure that they were written to an individual, but written as a letter. So discussing it, the the death of porn by.
0: Ray Ortland. The Death of Porn. What's that other little book that you had, that little catechism
2: oh, book? Oh, you know, we were talking about confessions the other day, and there's an, a new little confessional kind of statement, you know, in, in question and answer form that, that goes from creation to the fall to redemption. It's called The New Reformation Catechism on Human Sexuality. And it's a, I think there's 45 questions in it. It's written by Christopher Gordon. The New Reformation Catechism on Human Sexuality goes far beyond just uh, dealing with items of pornography and that, but dealing with you know uh, what we had addressed maybe in that first show together about how God has made us in the garden uh, binary, male and female, uh, different things like that. Uh, yeah. So it's dealing with some of the more progressive aspects of sin with regard to sexual identification as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, before we get to our kind of question, maybe just a couple more things just addressed at the hearts of our listeners. So if you're trapped in sexual sin and you see no way out, you see no hope, just remember that in the lineage of Jesus, there was a whore, Rahab, and there was an adulterer, David, in the lineage of Jesus.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: uh, There's hope for you.
2: And there was also incest between Judah and his daughter. And yeah, wife.
0: Tamar.
1: That's right. That's right.
2: Yeah. So I mean, there's, there's that in the genealogy because God can redeem everything. Uh, he, you know, I always say, um, quoting somebody else, He draws straight lines with crooked sticks.
0: Yeah. yeah. There's another passage of hope um, in First Corinthians chapter six. Paul uh, starts to speak of how. Uh, that, that the kingdom of heaven is closed to certain people. He says, look, don't, don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral or, or idolaters or adulterers or men who practice homosexuality, etc., will inherit the kingdom of God. And then if he stops there, it's like, oh, what hope is there for me? But what does he say? And such were some of you but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That's what God does. Mm-hmm. He redeems people from sexual immorality. That's right, amen. Maybe one more thing. What would you say to the person who, they're not in a state of hopelessness, they're in a state of just like rebellion, I don't I don't care, uh, my heart, uh, I'm fine with doing what I'm doing, uh, I'm gonna keep on sexually sinning. How would you warn them?
1: I, I would warn them On a couple different levels. Number one, your sin will find you out. Um, Number two, over and over and over again in the New Testament, we have warnings. And these warnings are those who practice sexual immorality will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I think a lot of times people just kind of shrug those off and think, well, that's not talking about me. That's talking about someone that's doing something worse than me. And a lot of people justify it with the little sin, which is what we talked about on this previous week. Well, my, my sin's just a small sin. I just I just look at something inappropriate now and then, and and I'm covered under the grace of Christ, and, and it's fine and it's good, and all the while they're going down a road to destruction and, and they're self-deceived. And one of the things that I like to say is, um, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not the first person That's ever said it, but sin makes us stupid. Yeah. It makes us stupid. And and we justify sin in our own lives in such a way that if other people were doing that sin, we can say that's stupid. But when we're doing it, we justify it and we say it's not that bad when I'm doing it. Yeah. It's the whole idea of the plank in in, in the eye. You know, Uh, Jesus says, remove the plank from your own (laughs) eye before you can help your brother with the plank in, in their eyes because it looks so obvious on other people. Yeah. But for us, we hide it. We justify it. We excuse it. We do everything except for confess it and repent of it. Yeah. And, um, you know, it says in Acts that these times of ignorance, God has overlooked, but now he commands all men everywhere to repent and believe. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think he meant it. <laughs> yeah. So, well, well
0: would, you, would you add anything to that, Jonathan, to the person who is just hardened in their sin? They don't see any need for repentance or to. Well, I
2: couldn't really add to that because I think that that's the most important part is seeing things from God's perspective. And, uh, you know, you could read uh, Proverbs 5, for instance, and you begin with this uh, warning against adultery, you know, talking about the the adulterer, her feet go down to death, her steps follow to the path of Sheol. Um, She does not ponder the path of life. And so and this is where you. And this is where that person is. Once you're in that stream, you're in there with her. At at the end of your life, you've grown, and when your flesh and body are consumed, um, you know, so you're crying out, "I didn't listen to my instructors." One of the things that people do is they ignore the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, particularly you know, as believers, you know. Um, we are we have the holy spirit and he is uh communicating with us you know what happens with sins like this is we've run the red lights that he's already given to us yeah. he's already he's instructing us by his word and by his spirit and uh we're told that the one who disregards this warning
0: disregards
2: not man but god who gives the holy spirit to us yeah.
0: I mean, man, good stuff, brothers. I would just add, I mean, the Scripture is full of examples of God pouring out horrible things on people who will not listen to him in this area of sex. So uh, I would say – I would argue that the flood was at least partly the result of sexual sin. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah God raining down brimstone fire on a whole city you mentioned David I mean it almost unraveled his house he the sword it did never, unravel his yeah, house the sword nevertheless left his home mm-hmm. because of sexual sin Damn. so if, if, if that's you if you're stuck in sexual sin and you don't care, heed the warning of scripture. I mean, the scripture says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that he shall also reap. If a man sows to this flesh, he will reap corruption. Turn to Christ. Repent of your sins. Uh, go find a pastor. Confess your sins to to your pastor. Confess your sins to a friend. Bring it out to the light. We'll talk more about some of those means of grace on tomorrow's program on how to Fine help. But we want to uh, again invite you to our Reformation Boise Conference coming up October 21st and 22nd. That is less than a month away by the time you hear this program. And Dr. Joel Beakey, Dr. Derek Thomas, oh, Church Arise, Uh, such an important topic today. We we need to understand that the church is the one institution on earth that has everlasting life. All other human institutions will fade or change, but the church will remain forever. Don't wanna miss it. If you go to reformationboise.com, you can register for free. See you on October 21st and 22nd.